Hello and welcome to a new entry of the High Tech Low Code Podcast. The topic of today focuses on the financial sector, more specifically with a guest from a company that specializes in credit and political risk insurance. We will go through the challenges and opportunities that technology provides and how it is shaping their processes. To help us understand a bit more of this subject, we have as our guest, Amanda Ushedo, Business Analyst at BPL Global. Amanda, thank you very much for joining us in our podcast. How are you doing? You're welcome, firstly. Um, and I'm great, thank you. I'm doing really well. Thank you so much for having me here to speak on your podcast. Um, really keen to see how we get on today. I'm sure you've got lots of interesting questions for me. How are you, Mario? I'm good, thank you very much. And don't worry, I'm sure we'll do great. But before we, we jump into any subject, uh, could you do a small introduction about yourself so that our listeners could get to know you a bit better? Right, um, of course. Um, so once again, my name is Amanda Shader. I'm a business analyst at BPL Global, a credit and political risk insurance broker. I've been working in tech for about 10 years now. I started off as a software analyst and moved into business analysis about five or six years ago. This is my first role in insurance. My previous roles have been within the online payments um, industry and incident, institutional investment, sorry. And uh, this is also my first time working with low code. And it's been really interesting so far. Wow, that is great. Thank you for that. And now focusing on the subject, I would like to start by asking, how is technology influencing the insurance broker industry in their operating processes? Um, so... I've been a BA in insurance for roughly four years now. And from what I've seen in the industry as a whole, technology seems to be having a great influence and impact on daily operations with every year that passes. Um, the credit and political risk industry has been established and continues to be heavily operated by face-to-face -face interactions. And it's assured by personal and business relationships. Um, and what I mean is that there's lots of official meetings going on or un unofficial meetups to chat over a drink and there's trips, events, introductions, etc. It's a very personable industry. And uh, let's not forget the mountains of paperwork that is still, I think, up until today, whether it's for, you know, contracts, invoices, letters, KYC documentation, etc. I say all this because... I've noticed that when I attend events, um, for example, if they're introducing a new software within insurance, there's a lot of the brokers that are extremely concerned about the human interaction aspects being steadily weaned out. Um, a lot of them want to continue working and meeting people and speaking to them. But despite this, uh, technology is heavily welcomed and appreciated. Activities that would normally take days and possibly weeks are now being shortened to a matter of hours with the right tools and applications. Um, communicating with clients, underwriters, insurers, etc., is now much easier. Sharing of important documentation is safer. Um, recording responses and sharing feedback with your team, updating files, etc., is a lot quicker. And even the maintenance of sensitive client data is secured. Um, so this is how I've seen technology really have an impact um, on, on, on this industry. And additional to this, we're now seeing the emergence of digital placing platforms like PPL and Whitespace, which are designed to enable brokers and insurers to quote, negotiate, bind and endorse business digitally. Oh, I see. Oh, that's quite interesting. But uh, one thing that is very uh, interesting is that the, the traditional way of doing business is still very important. Definitely. Ah. 
How does process automation play a role in this type of business? Process automation. Um, so the main thing that comes to my mind when I think of process automation in this industry is around reporting. Um, data and statistics play an absolutely major role when it comes to insurance. And there's lots of data. Basically, we handle mm. so much data. Um, brokers handle so much of this on a day-to-day -day basis. And the interest from our you know, clients and insurers for this data is equally as much. So, as I said, data plays a key role in the ne negotiating of contracts and decision making. It's really important that it's readily available and also that it's accurate. So process automation in this business is important for receiving the details of a potential deal from a client, recording this in a format that is clear and structured, uh, which will then get received by like underwriters electronically to review and respond um, depending on what type of insurance it is, the, the responses can be recorded and then shared with the clients digitally. Um, and this is exactly what I meant when I mentioned the placing platforms earlier and PPR Whitespace. They, they, they've designed their software to actually cater to this type of automation. Um, it not only helps with capturing and sharing of the data, but it assists greatly in the generation of the reports and useful statistics. And I believe because of this, AI is introduced as well. It creates the ability for you know, brokers to notice and share emerging patterns with the clients. It's also helpful in the sense that um, alerts and notifications seem to be like a complementary feature that comes along with automation. And it's welcomed because this is a business where there's a lot of time constraints. Time is money, basically, and things move very, very fastly. So to stay on track, to stay on board, and you know, keep moving basically because you've been notified and alerted to certain things is really, really helpful, I think, for, for brokers. There's definitely a lot of areas here and there that can do with more automation, but it's steadily being applied, I believe. You, you mentioned that the technology is very welcome to the, this sector. Taking that into account and, and what has been happening in the past couple of years now due to, well, pandemic and whatnot, mm -hmm. how is the sector adapting to the digital revolution? Um, pretty well, it seems. Um, the industry is growing. There are more and more clients. The deals are getting bigger and so are the budgets. Um, so I believe firms all over the world have had to digitalize many of their operations um, in order to keep up with the demands of their clients. And this is even before COVID and, you know, the fact that we now have to no longer be in the office and see face-to-face -face and work from home. But just to keep up, just to keep track because of the immense amount of work, it has to be digitalized. And I believe that they're adapting to it um, pretty well. As the clientele grows as well, so does the list of new insurance brokers. So like our competition, as there's, as there's more clients, there's more brokers trying to get in on those deals, basically. Mm -hmm. And I think to stay competitive in today's market, you have no choice but to adopt, you know, the digital revolution in order to give your clients what they need um, as soon as they ask for it. Otherwise, there's going to be someone else that should be able to do that for them. I do believe this industry is one of the slowest to adapt, though. Um, but I believe individuals and companies are now seeing the importance of a digital transformation. And they're already reaping the benefits, to be honest. They're embracing it more and more. And um, from what I see, it seems like 
you know, they're even keen on seeing what else can be digitalized um, to ease their duties at work. Oh, wow. Um, you, you certainly shined some light into a, a thought that I had, which was in some sectors, actually digital rev uh, revolution is, is no longer a competition, but a race to, for survival. Exactly. <laughs> and it seems to me that in the financial sector of, like, of insurance brokers, because it's still so connected to traditional ways of doing uh, uh, business, it's, it's still in the realm of it's a competition. The more digitalized I am, the better I can provide the service. Definitely. Wow. Okay. That was interesting. Thank you for that oh, no <laughs> bit of knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. What future trends could you could be what future trends could be expected in this sector? Could something like cryptocurrency be in the horizon? Um I really wish I could pretend I'm versed on cryptocurrency. <laughs> I really wish I could, um, but I would sound terrible right now, so I won't. Um, I'm not so clued up in that area, but I definitely believe the security that comes with blockchain can make this industry more secure and um, help with tracing vital information. Uh, for example, when there's a change on a policy or if there's a claims and if there are any updates for that claims, I think um, the security would be really, really important there. But I think data-driven insurance will be a trend. And I, I feel very weird saying that because insurance has always been data-driven. Mm -hmm. um, but I believe going forward, insurers can now use a lot more metrics, basically, to minimize risks and provide more customized and like accurately priced policies for clients. Before automation, um, the data was just too much to analyze the standard way, but now high volumes of data can be analyzed to help with tracking and predicting patterns and trends. So definitely, I feel like there's gonna be a change, an improvement, should I say, with the data that we have and the tools that we have to analyze it and how you know policies can now be based and influenced on that data. Mm, okay, we'll jump into that in a bit. Because I have a good question for you uh, on the future okay. trends. Okay, um, you, you mentioned that you've been working with Lowcode. Um, is it does Lowcode already play a, a major role in helping out with this um, revolution for yourself? Definitely, definitely. As I said, it's it's my first time working with Lowcode, but I've I've seen a massive difference already. Um, the quick turnaround of new apps, uh, the you know addition of new fields to capture specific information or even implementing a new workflow. It really, really helps immensely when you need to extract, you know, useful and vital data in order to do an analysis and present that the results to your clients. It's also fantastic for creating customized forms for the brokers or different teams in the business to capture bespoke data for the clients who request it. The fact that we deal with so many sectors and company types, a one size fits all service doesn't work at all. So local development is perfect for like um, personalization as well as speed. Yeah, the, the, the great hallmark of uh, agile development, right? Yes, of course. <laughs> Now, going back to when you were talking about the trends. So with advances in AI and data services, these are definitely playing a role in transforming the sector or, or are these still possibilities that are far off in the future? No, I think it's happening now. I honestly believe it's already transforming the sector. Um, 
it's allowing brokers, underwriters and insurers to have more time to handle other pressing matters because things are being automated, as I mentioned earlier. It's easier to notice the trends and be more precisely predictive on future policies. At the moment, it helps greatly with like risk assessments and Mm -hmm. um, weighing up how likely a claim on a policy would be um, because of this, you know, AI, basically just being able to, to, um, it's kind of like machine learning, just, just picking up the trends and the patterns and being able to predict. I I think it's amazing. It's it's happening now. I don't even think it's, you know, far from, from what's happening now. Um, Has it, has you, have you picked up any weird pattern in your professional life like due to ai going oh wow i never noticed that people do this actually or something like that um not so much but i do i do notice that the patterns that are picked up help brokers and their marketing basically so even down to personalized marketing making sure the right deals are being seen by the right underwriters I've, I've noticed that happen. That's because they're, they're, they're seeing the patterns um, in regards to who responds to what, why they respond to it, uh, maybe the locations that these deals and contracts are happening in. Um, so it, it's, it helps with the building of relationships between brokers and the insurers, because then you're not filling their inbox with information and, and you know, requests to quote on something that you know they have no interest in so i think that's been a great influence um and it's been really helpful um everyone's happy at the end of the day and and it's it just helps with you know the percentage of positive responses that you get from the underwriters because you're sending the right ones the right the right deals basically i see and i think that's yeah that's one of the biggest things I've, i've noticed but i definitely feel like it it could do so much more even detecting fraudulent cases maybe by picking up on subtle behavior patterns. And that's because an algorithm has been fed with a constant flow of data. You could just do some really interesting things with with um, AI and data science. Oh, I see. Like, like in the banks, when they noticed, for example, there was a, a, a very off-record trend in your bank account. Maybe your card has been copied or... Hijack. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, okay. I never it thought just, about that. It yeah. just it, and that's the thing. It picks up on things you don't think about sometimes. It just you know it, it's such a fast-paced industry. And there's so much going on. So many deals. So many things you have to think about. And that's why I said earlier that automation and AI and it just helps brokers and possibly insurers as well. Just you know focus on the other areas that kind of get overlooked because you know the workload is so much. Having um, these things that pick up on patterns or just autom- automate your processes at work, it's just so helpful. It's really, really helpful. And then you can kind of like get some business development out of that as well because you have more time to focus on other areas that have been neglected for so long and um, possibly even implement some machine learning and, and AI into those new areas as well. So I think it's fantastic, to be honest. And it's definitely happening now. It's not something that you know you have to look forward to. I, I definitely see... A presence of this currently well the, the like you said the obvious win is by even by shortening a bit of time or yeah even by lowering the the, the workload on on logistics you're saving money that way for so Definitely. to speak yeah but if it's happening now whew, i can only imagine <laughs> the, the the trends that they are tracing about everyone <laughs> i don't know I'm, I'm, i'm looking forward to seeing what what's next basically 
I don't, it's, I don't think it's everyone or every firm or, or every broker that's um, implementing it yet. As I said, I definitely think insurance has been one of the slowest to pick up on, on these areas. But some of the maybe smaller firms um, who have things such as local development or just really high-tech um, IT teams, they're definitely taking certain aspects on board and implementing it and helping you know, their firm in the market. Um, and I definitely think other people will start catching on, other firms will start catching on, especially yeah. with the platforms that you kind of have to use now. There's there's some, you know, things that have been implemented there. Lloyd say you have to place a certain percentage of your inquiries or policies on a, on a digital platform. So I think kind of making it a mandatory thing will start, bringing technology to the forefront of some of these firms that aren't really thinking about it at the moment because they have to they have to get onto it they have to start using it and you know it'll start triggering some other thought processes on how else they can automate things or or just use technology to ease ease their workload ah that's interesting i wasn't aware well but makes sense you mentioned lloyd lloyd's as an example but it makes sense if all the other big players start uh, a full-on digital revolution and start saying, okay, if you want to do business with me, you need to be able to be on par with what I'm doing. So exactly, go exactly. on, get on to it with the, with the game. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, <laughs> that, that, Interesting that, stuff happening. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I can, I can only imagine the, the, the consultancy business going on. Okay, fine. <laughs> let's go on. Let's do this. Exactly. <laughs> This can be always nice. Surely there has been something where you went like, oh, damn tech. <laughs> it's not helping me now. <laughs> Do you have any example of that? Uh, where it's not helping? No, where it's not helping, no. Um, the only way I think it works against us is when you've done something so well and so quickly, which you know, low code allows you to do, that it just kind of triggers off this, this madness within the firm. And everyone's like, oh, wow, can I have this? Can you do this? And what about this? And can oh, you change this? And, you know, even, and, you know, like I mentioned earlier, it's very easy to customize forms and, and, and things like that, or pages or apps for certain teams or certain individuals in the company. So you do get like a, a massive list of requests which is great I think for any company that's absolutely amazing and I'm not complaining at all um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just like oh wow okay um as opposed to traditional development where it's just uh I don't know people kind of understand that it's very slow understand it takes long don't even come to you with any requests to be honest because they're just happy to deal with whatever you've given them but this is really I think low code turns non-tech people into tech people if that makes sense they they now start thinking about things and designing things and asking can it do this and almost becoming developers themselves which is really funny but it's it helps in a really great way because it, it then creates this uh middle ground where it's you know it's not just the business and technology anymore there's like a little merge happening because you've got the minds of the business people who are also giving you ideas of how to build something and how this could work for me or the company. And, you know, this will be great for data capture on this side. And should it look like this? And can we make it do that? It, it's, it's 
a wonderful place to be, to be honest. Ah, yeah, yeah. The concept of the citizen developer, right? Yes, exactly. 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 Mm. That, that's so evident right now. That, that is a tricky subject, depending on who you speak <laughs> with, to be honest. Uh, Why do you say that? What, well, um, from my experience, uh, whenever I speak to, uh, for example, an IT manager or a uh, Uh, a unit manager, which the focus is specifically um, development or software factory or something like that. And someone mm -hmm. tell, tells them, oh, you have a couple of guys, they are citizen developers, they're going to help you out with the workload. He kind of starts crisscrossing. He's like, oh, no, 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 no. They're not going to oh, touch really? my database. <laughs> they don't know oh, what wow. they're doing. Do you have that point of view also happening? Uh, well, at least from with some people who I've spoken with. But then right. there's the other side which is, um, yes, but now uh, I know the business and I can deliver uh, a small app or a small set of forms that will help uh, my team or something like that. And exactly. In that, it's a complete revolution that, yes, <laughs> I can yeah. imagine that, I don't know, 20 years ago or 15 years ago, that was definitely not the case. Yeah. So you need something, you need to wait a, at least a month to get something exactly. on your hands. <laughs> exactly. And I think, I think another thing that is an improvement because of this is the ownership of certain mm -hmm. things as well. I think once you have an IT team and they're building things for you, the IT team forever and ever and ever owns that app or that feature. And so anything that happens to it or any questions people have, they come straight to the IT team. We built it. Sometimes we don't even understand how you use it, really. It's just like, okay, this is for you. This is what you asked for. It works perfectly. So when you do get some of those requests come in, it's like, I don't know, maybe speak to your manager or speak to someone else in a different department. And I think having this, this middle ground gives the business um, individuals that opportunity to actually own what they've requested to be built. Um, so if people have questions about it or if they have um, ideas on how to improve something, it doesn't come straight to IT because at the end of the day, we can't decide if that should actually happen or not. We still have to go back to the business and say, this has been requested. What do you think? Should we go ahead? But now um, it's allowing people to, as I said, own the features, all the apps and attract the attention and the questions and the criticism first, which then they can kind of sift through and try as like just kind of a, make their decisions before they come to us, if that makes sense. So I, I think it, it allows for a smooth transition of new new requirements and, um, oh. you know, the stakeholder aspects as well. Someone's actually controlling and looking after this instead of the IT team, which I, I don't think should be the case. Mm, I see. Okay, that, that is definitely a, a different perspective from uh, the previous talks I had. <laughs> so this is it. <laughs> quite interesting so oh, it's almost gosh. like no no it's it's amazing so it's kind of like you empower people to drive Definitely. the proof of, the proof of concept of what they want and then exactly when it reaches a mature enough idea okay let's ask, ask someone else to properly build something like this right basically oh okay that's not bad I, actually no, not at all. <laughs> i think it's really helpful because then There's like a, an agreement across the business, if that makes sense. I feel like when um, a team or an individual comes straight to the IT team, it's like, you're missing something. This field needs to be added or something, you know, some kind mm -hmm. of workflow needs to be implemented. Um, we might speak to them a few more times. You might ask top management or something. But then um, 
there'll be a lot of other people within the business that have missed out on this process who aren't aware of what's going on, who might not know about the changes or, or the improvements, even if they like it. So if they did like it, they could even add more to that. Do you understand? If there was like a general um, business ownership and um, an identified stakeholder that people are aware of and they can discuss things amongst themselves and then their teams can discuss it as well. I think, I think it just allows for greater things to happen, if that makes sense. And probably even less tweaking and fiddling with the systems because we just haven't built something that you asked for, you think helps. We've, there's actually been proper analysis and we've made sure that it suits the majority of the business. And if it doesn't, there's an opportunity for other members to you know, provide their feedback, get their input um, listened to as well. And then just build things that um, are more applicable to everybody and kind of make everybody happy. Um, mm. So yeah. Yeah, so yeah, definitely. Definitely, um, that's good to know. It's like the, the whole idea has already gone through a few uh, processed uh, refinement cycles in that. <laughs> it, Basically, it, yeah, that, that's, that sounds good, actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Amanda. And that is all the time we have for today's episode. Thank you very much, Amanda, for taking time off from your schedule and joining us in our podcast. You're very welcome. Thank you so much as well, Maria. We'd also like to send a big thank you to everyone who is listening. And hope you can join us on our next episode of High Tech Low Code Podcast, where, as always, we'll feature more guests and talk about more topics of importance to the tech world. See you soon. All right, bye. Bye now. <laughs>